welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Da, 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 da. Oh, that was out of tune, wasn't it? It's all right. <laughs> I've got what, a marching I... band. Okay. I was just thinking maybe I should edit in a proper trumpet. Well, we won't what, do it. Will I we? think what you've done is, is perfectly adequate. Why are you... <laughs> That's, That's better. better. That's better. Why yeah. are you blowing a trumpet? Because this is our 200th episode. No, 200. 200 podcasts. Goodness me. What years. a lot of crap we must have talked <laughs> over all that time. But plenty of people are listening, so yeah, can't just, all be rubbish. just had a, a look at the stats and... Um, over those 200, well, 199, because, I mean, this we don't gonna, know what this one's going to do. Going to blow it out of the water. But over those 199 podcast episodes, we've had 18,500 listeners. Which isn't bad, considering we bad. don't do anything to promote it. We really don't, do we? No, just, we, we just put it out there. Yeah, and you, live. lovely people. Be free! Are listening. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's not 18,500 individual people and nobody's ever come back. Hopefully. <laughs> Let's hope there's some repeat listens. Yeah. yeah. But I suppose if there aren't, then at least we've got a, a literally a bottomless pit of people that could accidentally find us. <laughs> Let's not hope that's true. No, no. I'm if, sure we're doing fine. If, Thank you for listening anyway. Yeah, if you're a first-time listener, let us know. If you're a thousandth time listener let us know and you'd think after 200 episodes that i'd now set the audio levels yeah did we start off a little bit we quiet? started off a bit quiet i'll edit it it's all right <laughs> it's fine because you know we're pros after all in those 199 episodes i've edited out three million erms yeah quite a few <gasps> Quite a few absolutely's, because I say absolutely an awful lot. And and if you don't say absolutely, you fill it with some other word, Nonsense. some other filler. Yeah, 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 all filler, no killer. Anyway, we're here. 199 episodes done, 200, looking like I'm going to need a big editing job. Okay, what else would you be doing? So, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Actually, that segues in quite nicely. As is often the case, we will be talking some crap and then realised that it links in with the previous thing. And uh, the article that we picked up was Work, the Wasted Years. Oh. Uh, it's an article from the 16th of June in The Economist. Yeah, although I think the same article has been replicated at various locations. I found it in businesslend.com. Okay, that's um, fair enough. Um, because it's about a study that was carried out um, from the Maryland and Delaware Enterprise University Partnership. And it's often the case when when it's an article about some research, exactly the same thing is is in several they, different they locations, kind of issued it isn't it? As a, yeah. as a press release, haven't they? So this one really caught my eye. It looked quite funny and amusing. And I thought, you know what, for the 200th episode, let's laugh at all the stupid things we do at work. <laughs> That waste our time. The first stupid and funny thing is that the Maryland and Delaware Enterprise University Partnership goes by the name of Made Up. Oh. And as I was starting to read the article, I was thinking, are they saying that that's a made up name? And then it's like, no, no, M A D E U P. Oh, no, I just suddenly thought maybe I'd been spoofed then. So is, is it a real article? Well, it can't be, it can't be appearing. Everywhere, and I actually did some further research, so this is a thing. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I suddenly felt a no, slight no. panic. So it wasn't the 1st of April, it was 16th of June. Okay, fair enough. So they conducted a, a survey of 5,000 office workers in America and Britain, identifying the number of minutes that people waste on pointless activities each working day. And meetings are excluded. So the other pointless activities that people uh, are involved in. Well, the fact they exclude meetings, it does beg the question, how many meetings are we going to that we shouldn't be at? Because very often we do just attend meetings and think, that's an hour of my life I'm never going to get back. So if you added those in, it would be an awful lot of wasted time. (laughs) And and given the figures that we've got here already, it's like, how much of work is not wasting time? (laughs) For example, correcting typos apparently takes an average of 20 minutes in every white collar worker's day that's half a year over a 45 year career if so if you'd signed up for that job and they said actually for six months what you're going to do is just correct typos now there are jobs that do that and proofreading they're correcting typos but the average job their job is not correcting typos but have you got common typos that you always type um yeah, I have, but I, I don't know which they are. Cause I, oh, think I have I... two. They really stick in my mind because if you don't catch them, oh. it's serious. What? So um, one is a problem because I'm a qualified accountant Yeah. and I sometimes mix up the vowels in there and I'm an echo. Okay. C word. Okay, okay. <laughs> and the other one is um, if I'm talking about shutdowns, and so many times it goes in as shit downs and it's a very different yes. sort of scenario, isn't it? We're gonna have a shit down this week. <laughs> <laughs> no no different there then. Yeah, we're not gonna have a maintenance shut down, a maintenance shit down. So they're my two main offenders, but apparently thanks with the A and the N swapped is one of the worst offenders in the English speaking word. And yeah. then getting the you and remember. Um, mix up and you know just mixing up the letters you uh, y-u-o I do often type that instead of you I don't think I've ever done that thank you o. but in my notes I put spell checker good point yeah because how often do people actually use spell checker yeah but then that's taking time so if you don't so if I write shit down every time yeah I, I do catch it mostly um, with the spell checker because yes. fortunately there isn't a a common use of the word shit down. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. There will be. Um, and the echo c word is uh, is again not in common use yet. So it does catch it, but it takes me time to go back, and it's always like oh again. Yeah, I can't believe I did that again. And things like bet bets wishes. It it will you know you'll get your little wiggly line underneath. I think I do that as well. Yeah. So maybe you're spending more than 20 minutes a day correcting typos. Well, it depends how much time I spend typing, I suppose. It's all relative, isn't it? If you're a touch typist, that's more of a problem than if you're somebody who sends the occasional brief email. Yes, true. And don't say things like best wishes, just say... Do this. Just just put your name. Do this. Heather. Heather. (laughs) Yes, please do this. Heather. Okay, so um, they then go on to uh, look at other things. Now, there's a very interesting fact that I didn't even know I needed to know, which is the gestation period of a goat. 
no, that that's something that I don't feel I need to know, but now I do. It, it's in there with the, the same amount of time that it takes to log into things. Well, it's 145 days. So if you find yourself in polite company, you can just chuck that that stat. Do you know the gestation period of a goat? People go, no, you go 145 days. So if you do that in networking, and they always just have you then labelled as the goat lady. Yeah, the, the weird goat lady, yes. Yeah, maybe, maybe choose the right time to use that stat. But yeah, that's the, what they're saying is that's how long employees spend logging into issues throughout their working life. But months are wasted. <laughs> I can tell you now, months of my life have been wasted attempting to recall passwords, <laughs> putting them in wrongly, updating them, forgotten your username, oh, forgotten your username. You want to update password. the password, but it doesn't meet the criteria. Yes, or you've already had that one in the last. 25 years so <laughs> so that's a constant but then again in my notes i put mm, last pass which was sold to me on the concept that i'd never have those problems ever again until you, you start, sold it to me well and it was sold to me by my my husband you need to use last pass like, right, okay but now I, across multiple devices, then if I'm on a certain device and I've forgotten my password... So you haven't upgraded to the paid-for version. Because if you have the paid-for version, you can have it on multiple devices. Right, well, I'm a tight ward, aren't I? Yeah. Simple as that. Okay, thanks for that. Make a note. <laughs> Heather's tight. Pay, pay, pay for, last for last pass. pass yeah. Save yourself 145 days <laughs> as a starting point. And uh, what about formatting things in that damn awful programme Word? Oh, when you're chasing around pictures and text boxes and tables. Yeah, I I don't do an awful lot of that because when I first learned Word, I was working for a desktop publishing company. So we could actually manipulate Word to do lots of things that most people wouldn't ordinarily need to do. But there are occasions when something happens and I go, where's that gone? And it's because of a margin being altered or... But I always use Word with um, the paragraph mark, um, par paragraph mark showing, because then it shows all sorts of hidden reasons why things are going wrong. Oh. There's a little top tip from Heather there. Okay. She's struggling with Word. Lovely. Okay. It also says that Shakespeare wrote King Lear in the time an average office worker spends changing font sizes during their career. Oh. Well, once you start on that. Unless you've got your set fonts, don't you find that you go, well, let's just see what it looks like in Gothic. Or let's just see what it looks like in Trebuchet or whatever it's called. Yeah. The other thing I discovered years ago when I was doing some VA work is that you, you can actually set your document upright with, you know, what mm. fonts you want for, you know. So you don't just do everything in normal and then no. change all the headings. You sort of define what you want your headers and your main body text to be in your second headers and this, that and the other. If you do that, it's quite straightforward, but I'm not sure that many of us do. I learned how to do that mm. when I was a VA. Yeah. I don't do it in my everyday life now, though. No, it's part of your RSA qualification, RSA two or three or something where you learn all of that stuff yeah like how to set out a letter and different titles and but it's when you're doing something that's a little bit like oh let's make a diagram to insert into a presentation or let's and or a graph or a chart or whatever and then 
before you know it, I've tried every format. Do I want it blue on white, white on blue? What about a bit of orange? What if I change the font, bold, underlined, not underlined? Increase the margin. I can spend a lot of time doing okay. that. Okay, so we'll up that figure for you. Yes. And then um, redoing work that you failed to save. Now, we've got direct experience of this with the flipping podcast. Podcasts oh, yeah. that we've failed to record. <laughs> that happened to... I think that happened more during lockdown, didn't it, when we were doing it via Zoom? Yeah, we ha- we had to coordinate the tech and, and get our heads round speaking in turn rather than talking over each other. Yeah, which we're quite good at. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that said, I think that hopefully, well, when we'd done it the second time, on a couple of occasions it was actually better because <laughs> we were just like, oh, for God's sake, because we no. already sat here for an hour. <laughs> Um, right, let's just get it done. Exactly. So hopefully people haven't noticed. <laughs> and then the thing that now has made me really wonder is like, are we are we being taken for a ride? The last paragraph of the article that I'm reading says the made up study shows that technology lies at the heart of this squandered time. Literally, the made up study. Ah, oh, I, I feel. Well, anyway, we've had a good conversation about shit that wastes your time at work. Yeah, and even if we have been um, spoofed. I don't know that we've been um, we've been spoofed. I mean, one thing that there's no denying is that waiting for folks to repeat themselves as a result that they've been on mute yeah. is not made up. And then I did find an article, nothing to do with this one, on a site called Teen Stage. And it talks about how much time is wasted at work. Um, and it says 89% of us waste time at work. Um, and the top 10% waste up to th- over three hours in the working day. But Every day? Yeah, yeah. Because we've all worked with people who are, you know, professional shirkers, you know, person who's never at their workstation. Where are they? Very busy, busy somewhere mm. else. But one of, one of the really interesting ones is how do bosses waste their employees' time? Oh, um, bosses can often waste their staff's time by giving instructions or assigning tasks without realising how much work it takes to complete them. And they're also prone to giving mixed signals about what is a passing comment and what is a directive. So that's clarity of communication, isn't it? Mm. So people go off on a wild goose chase thinking that they know what they're doing. If only we knew somebody who was an expert communicator. <laughs> <laughs> that they could, you know, they could do some training on their communication skills with Heather. Well, imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> well, I, I think that was really in- interesting to read, if only because now I really do remember that the gestation period of a goat is 145 days. And when you start your goat farming business... Yep, that will never leave me. It will never leave you. And I'll know that that's how much time I waste logging into things. So what do I do? Do I Do I have goats? and watch them through their pregnancy or do I just keep on logging into things? It's only one goat though, isn't it? Oh, over goat. your over your forty five year career, isn't it? Okay. Not good, not a great money spinner. No, okay. I've got enough. a goat. Do you want to have a look at it? <laughs> fair enough. Let's look at a, a greater money spinner, shall we? As um oh no, we're not doing that, are we? What's that? We're doing our review next, aren't we? Yes, Sorry. that's right. Did, okay. did you launch straight into profile? I was thinking, yes, but forget that. Just backtrack. It's all right. 200 episodes in and you've got the order wrong. Yeah. Don't worry. You seem very excited about this company profile. No, 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 no. 
let's no, it's all right. I'm absolutely wondering if we're profiling the same company because I'm not that excited about it. But there oh, we go. No, I'm but not anyway. excited about it. Okay. But this could be a money spinner. Tell us what. Tell us what we're um, reviewing. <laughs> so Give we're me reviewing, a moment to catch my breath. We're reviewing an app. But I don't know why we came up with this app. You sent me a link to thestorygraph.com. Shall I tell you why we're reviewing it? Go on. Because I was at a networking meeting and there was an accountant doing a 10-minute presentation. And in her, what she likes to do, uh, you know, a bit about her, she shared her story graph because she says that she's, she's, um, she loves reading. And as you might only expect an accountant to do, she then presented us with pie charts mm-hmm. and graphs and all sorts of statistics about the sort of books that she's read. The genres, how many pages. Can I ask a really obvious question? But are you interested in what somebody else has read? I, no, I didn't. No, I, I didn't think I was before. I wasn't interested in what she'd been reading. I was interested in the fact that she'd produced all this data and that there was an app where you could. Yeah, so you're probably more interested in your, in your own. own. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But but even then, so anyway. Okay, so I downloaded Storygraph and it it captured my imagination because back in, right at the beginning of 2020, January 2020, and let me just find the very first one that I did it for, I recognised that I wasn't remembering some of the books I'd read and I'd some occasionally buy a book and and then find out that I'd actually already read it. So on the 4th of January 2020, I finished Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman and I took a photo of it. Okay. And then on the 2nd of February, we read for the podcast How to Fail by Elizabeth Day and I took a photo of that and then I thought, I'm liking the idea of this. So I created a little album and I started putting them in. So Psychopathic Cutters by Will Black another one for the podcast, Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood, Three Women by Lisa Taddeo. So we're into April, who cooked Adam Smith's dinner, which we discussed on the podcast. So then I just thought, okay, I want to start a, a conversation with other people about these things. So I started posting them on an Instagram account that I wasn't using. It was like, and, and occasionally um, some of my book reading friends would comment and they took out, oh, I'd like to read that or what did you think of that? So that was quite nice, a little bit of social. So that was January 2020 and I've kept it going, always taking a picture of what I've done. So I thought, OK, so Storygraph might add a little bit more to what I'm doing than taking a picture and sharing on Instagram. And indeed, I look at my stats and... I think all it's proved to me is 72 books I've read since January 4th, 2020. And the pie chart here, what would you say that is? It's quite a mix, isn't it? It's quite eclectic, isn't it? So that's the mood of the books I was reading. Bearing in mind, though, that some of these are like reading for pleasure and some of them are reading for the podcast. Sometimes there is an intersection there, sometimes there isn't. But I do read for pleasure, fiction and non-fiction books as well. So um, I'm fairly evenly paced between slow and medium pace, slightly less on fast-paced books, fairly evenly split on non-fiction and fiction that I've read. And the the genres, okay. So here we see the eclectic mix. Oh. So the genres I've read, 
go everything from historical business fantasy. Oh, that's not one genre. No, it could be. <laughs> historical business fantasy, mystery, thriller, self-help, psychology, memoir, crime, economics, romance, all the way down to dystopian, philosophy, poetry, education, short stories, reference and design. I think that's quite a long list. I think that's potentially um, confused by the podcast being in with my personal reading, but to be honest, I think we only tend to read stuff we're interested in anyway, don't we? Plus, the app will be deciding what genre certain books are. So the design book, for example. Yeah. You know, what if you had to single out, is that one book or is that an element of books or... It books do books fit into multiple genres? You know, it's, yeah. How are they categorizing them? So the stats, even though I love stats, you know, I love stats. Actually, I'm not that interested because all I want to know is what I've read and what I haven't read. So you can put the date in that you read it. You can put a review in, and you you sort of sharing it with everybody else as well. Uh, you could write a review, or you could just put a star. You can put in what you're currently reading. Mm-hmm. And you can also put in ones that are in your to-read pile. Okay. So this is the pile that's by the side of my bed that's threatening to yeah. fall on me and kill me in the night. So I, actually now it's in the app as well. <laughs> right, okay. But the other thing I really liked is it comes up with suggestions based on what you've already read. Yeah. And I sent you one that I'd seen already. And I've added a few fiction ones from the app into my wish list as well. Yep. So I've, I think it served its purpose from that point. Since I since I put this app on my phone, I have put every one of those 72 books that were photographed into the app. I've got a feeling I was procrastinating doing something else much more important. Like the ironing or something. So, well, yeah. that's not important then. No, okay. <laughs> something that you really were yeah, avoiding. Yeah, something I really should have been doing. But I enjoyed doing that. Where I really went down the rabbit hole is then I was sort of researching this for the podcast and um, an article said, oh, obviously the really big one for this, the biggest in the world is Goodreads. Yeah. I thought, I've got a Goodreads account, but I've never used the app. So now I have the app as well. And I started uploading my books so I could compare them. I didn't get all, all the way through 72 but, yeah, they're right. It, it's broader. They've got more recommendations. But I, I'm not sure I got on with it any more than Storygraph. I suppose it does depend what you want to get out of it. That said, the book that I did send you the link for actually was from Goodreads recommendation. Okay. Not the... Um, wasn't from Storygraph. Okay. So what what were you finding? So I haven't I haven't done all of that malarkey in I haven't even been capturing what books I've been reading, never mind taking photos of them or all the like. And yes, I have got a list by the side of my bed. But you can set a up list a, or a pile. A pile, sorry. Yeah, a pile. No, actually I've moved them. They're not by my bed. They're on the windowsill. I think I say on the floor. <laughs> floor to no, ceiling. They're on the windowsill um, in, a, in, a, in a, another room upstairs because they were getting on my nerves because they were taking up so much room. Yeah. But what I thought was quite interesting, yes, you can have your stats. They have reading challenges. Hmm. So you could set just set yourself up. It And where that's good, I think, is if you find, and I find this at the moment, that I'm not actually doing much reading for pleasure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm either reading for the podcast, reading for work, 
and unless I'm on holiday, I'm not actually reading so fiction or... That's one of the things that I did. Um, I recognised I was reading a lot of non-fiction and it was more for reviews or work. Yeah. And, and that's why I joined a couple of book clubs to stimulate that. Yeah. And that seems to have done the trick mostly. Um, and, the, and the book clubs sort of went into lockdown a little bit with, with COVID and everything. So I think on that basis it's a little bit like joining would you pay attention to that thing telling you to oh it's time to read a book Heather no no I, I, I wouldn't and I think so I think so for some people that would be enough because to set to set yourself a goal and then go and do it without any out external um accountability doesn't work for me so a book club, I'd be more likely to read the book because I wouldn't want to go to the book club having not read it. So yeah. I need that external, a bit like having a gym membership and not going to the gym. But if you join a class yeah, and you pay for that class, you're more likely to go. It's That's... a bit like I was saying um, when we were out on Monday and uh, talking about writing. Yeah. And I'm, I've, I'm only disciplined in my sort of creative writing when I've signed up for a class because there's a deadline. Yeah. Totally, totally. So, so you can set yourself up a reading challenge. And if you're looking at, from a business point of view, you know, if you're looking at um, learning about leadership or marketing or whatever it is, then that might be something that you decide to okay. do. Read yeah. a business book a month and you'll have read 12 in a year and you'll have learned something. So I think that's good. Yeah. Um, it also has recommendations. So you can search a genre um, and it will give you some recommendations. And I think that's a useful resource for us in the context yeah. of reviewing. But again, if you want to develop your business and you want to, or you want personal development or you want to do some stuff on psychology and understanding your customer or whatever it might be, you can do a search. And I think that that's, um, that's a real re valuable resource because you could look at Amazon and Amazon is just trying to sell you books. Whereas this, is going to be using data yeah. that people have uploaded. And the same with Goodreads. I think there were a lot more professional-type review, reviews on Goodreads. There were a lot of professional reviewers on there, aren't yeah. there? But there are reviews on, on Storygraph as yeah, well. Yeah, what people think. Yeah. And yeah, so so there's that. Um, and, and there's actually, of course, I didn't delve into it, but there's a, there's a community, so that's where you would be doing some of that sharing, a bit like you were saying about putting things on your Instagram account and then people saying, what did you think? Or I loved it or I hated it. Or yeah. if you like that, you might like this. So there's going to be some of that going on. So maybe, I don't know, maybe this community is a, would be a little bit like a, a reading yeah, like a book Group, club. A book yeah. club. If, if, um, and and I, I think using, for, for us, for the podcast, certainly, going in there and seeing some recommendations for books. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's ideal. So, yeah, do I want the stats? Personally, no. Um, but people who like stats, people who set themselves a book challenge. Yeah, I think mine would... Because mine was so eclectic and the pie chart was so messy and the graph was so much on there, I didn't feel like I got fr much from it because all it did was confirm, oh, you've got a wide range of taste in reading. Yeah. And, and I think that might not be the case with everybody. Or if it, it brought something up where it's like, oh, I'm tending to focus there. And to be fair, pre-2020, it probably would have come back with, you only read non-fiction, what's going on? Yeah. And that, and again, that's for an individual that that could say, or you know, or even if it's a, if you do just if you just read fantasy for argument's sake, 
And you might go, actually, yeah, that's all I read. There must be other stuff. Or if you only read romance, well, okay, what other genres are there? What could that be? Or if you only ever want to read those genres, then then the recommendations are tailored to that. So, yeah, yeah, it's all good, isn't it? A bit like, you know, when you used to go to the library and books were arranged in sections. I mean, they still are, but not many people (laughs) go to the library these days. Um, Anyway, there we go. So whether it's Storygraph or whether it's Goodreads, um, there are platforms which can be a bit of a, a log. And if you're studying, actually, if you're studying a subject, studying psychology, that could be a great place, uh, like a repository to say, these are the books that I've read mm. on... Oh, like, like your references. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So, yeah, so Storygraph and latterly Goodreads as well. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So let's finally get on to this um, business profile that we were talking about. Um, Kellogg's or Kellogg Company. Yes. I, I, I was a bit thrown by the articles we read because it kept referring to Kellogg. Kellogg to separate into three companies. Yes. And that's what prompted the um, the decision to profile Kellogg yes. today. But I just wanted to keep adding an apostrophe S at the end. Yeah. Because that's the brand, isn't it? Yes. Kellogg's. Yes. Um, but it is Kellogg Company. Right, yeah, so this article um, was in CNBC. Um, Kellogg to separate into three companies focusing on snack cereal and plant-based food. That actually was from a press release, so you can find the full press release from the Kellogg Company on prnewswire.com. Um, and it talks about this three separate companies focusing on snacks. And you know what I've done for the first time? When we're profiling a company, I haven't delved into companies' house or anything. I've just been intrigued by these these articles about splitting into three companies. I just stopped there because right. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. And, and then I took the opportunity this afternoon to ask my colleagues and go, so tell me, okay, what, what products do Kellogg's make? Mm-hmm. And what, what would your response have been to that? Well, I think... Historically, you'd just say cereal. Yeah. Particularly cereal. living in Wrexham, they've got a cereal factory in yeah. Wrexham. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the responses I got were um, mostly cereal bars from yeah. the younger people. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, having a box of yeah. Rice Krispies on the table doesn't really happen that much now. And cereal, but then, you know, sort of a mix of the ones that said cereal also quickly followed it up with cereal bars. And then, so when I said, oh... So I've just read this article about them splitting into three different companies focusing on snacks, cereal and plant-based foods. I got the whole, oh. Oh, yeah, what? Yeah, the plant-based isn't an obvious... That's... No, but even then, snacks. So I haven't read the article. I didn't know they owned Pringles. No, no. You I feel like I, I've paid enough in Pringles for my kids over the years that I should own Pringles. <laughs> it's one of my kids' favourite snacks. Um, yeah, sorry. So I'm rambling on about my experiences. What did you find out about Kellogg Company? Well, it, well for me, it was a bit of the whole... Um, I didn't... I, it, I just had that. When I hear the word Kellogg's... Not Kellogg, Kellogg's. You, I just think British company, cereal, been around forever. So I went and had a little look. I kind of knew that it would have been founded by Mr. Kellogg. Yeah. Because that, that was that was fairly straightforward. But he was an American. Yeah. And again, I think of it as a UK brand. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So they've, they've quite effectively um, 
branded it so that it fits the UK market. Yeah. I, I think I've always known it was an American brand. But it, yeah. it, it had never occurred to me. And it, and maybe that's because it's been part of my life for so long. You know, you had Kellogg's breakfast cereal. Well, uh, cornflakes. Cornflakes, yeah. Kellogg's cornflakes. Yeah. And all of the whole, can we have X? And it'd be like, no, you're just having plain... Can we have the selection box yeah no, that's no, only for if, holidays yeah or yeah or if we've got visitors or whatever yeah <laughs> and even now you know that's but but um th- i think the the interesting thing was so the company was set up in 1889 and it had it it, it had he tried to make granola and that wasn't successful and i suppose it was one of those sort of accidental things but it wasn't until 1924 that they set up a company they set up an office in the uk um which is sufficiently far beyond when I was born that it was part of my before you mine and my parents before you were before born. I was born yeah. yes yeah um and it you know in 1928 they introduced rice krispies wow. you know so rice krispies has been around that long exactly rice krispies with chocolate on much better than cornflakes with chocolate oh like cocoa I'll fight pot. you for that a cocoa pot no rice crispy cakes Oh, made with, oh, I see what yeah. you mean. Oh, yeah. Melted chocolate on Rice Krispies. Right. Anybody who thinks that melted chocolate on cornflakes is better, they're wrong. You know, I, no, a Rice Krispie cake. Yeah. Definitely. Not, not a cornflake cake. No, 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 no. Oh, that's why we're friends, Heather. There, yes, yeah. <laughs> However, um, so a couple of interesting things. So in 1969, no, in 1963, Prince Philip visited the Trafford Park factory Um and the factory was opened by a housewife who'd won a competition to do so. Um, they provided breakfast for Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins during the Apollo 11 trip to the moon. So Kellogg's has been to the moon. And it was in 1978 that Princess Alexandra opened their second UK factory in Wrexham. Yeah. So all of that's happened quite a long time ago. And it's I guess that's part of why... I, I kind of think of it as, as a UK company. Yeah, and so um, Kellogg's Plant Based is uh, their their brand is Morning Star Farms. I didn't know that. No. Um, and Pringles they've had for ten years. Yeah, they spent they, co- they paid a lot of money for it. To, to see two point seven billion. Wow. Okay. So. A few things that I found really interesting were the the reason for this split off is is clearly uh, one that uh, is approved of by the market because their share price went up yeah. as a result of this announcement, and and it's looking at focusing in these three areas: the snack foods, the cereal, and the plant based foods. And one thing I hadn't really taken on board before was that the market for cereal products is in the decline and I, I, was, I was a bit surprised about that but then actually if you think about you know what we're we're on the go more aren't we yeah. and in America particularly this article says that in America most people eat their breakfast out of the house mm. And in some cities, the, the apartments that they've got don't even really have kitchens. No. So you're eating all your meals ha- out of the house. And apparently, according to the, this article that I read, um, I read another article in um, CNBC as well about Kellogg that was published the day after. And they're talking about the fact that um, during lockdown, sale of cereals went up. 
because more people were at home, at home. Yeah. having their breakfast. Um, and, and the focus now is on the stack foods. Well, and that's why the cereal bars came in in the first place, because people became time poor and so would buy cereal bars. And, and that's basically eating your bowl of cornflakes in the car or on the train or on the bus or whatever. Um, but I think the other thing is that over the years, people are more likely to have a pastry for breakfast, you know, or pick, you know, pick up. Um, pick up a croissant, pick up a pan of chocolat, pan of raisins. So we didn't sort of have those things. So when I was a kid, breakfast was cereal or toast. Hmm. That's basically. And then we got into, do you remember when you started having orange juice with your breakfast? Or not real orange juice, a peel, this sort of powdered orange stuff that you added water to. No, that was dead posh, that no was. I didn't have that. Oh, yeah, yeah, orange juice with your breakfast. Well, you're obviously from a posh family. No, we're from a very poor family, and that's why it was such a treat to have some of this <laughs> horrible stuff. Oh, and it's just occurred to me that um, the Kellogg's plant-based division called Morningstar Farms has made me think of uh, Lucifer Morningstar. Oh. Suddenly that brand is a lot more appealing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I I didn't dig into it any deeper because I was just blown away by the fact that that, that factory that's just down the road from where I live and, and where I currently work, and it, it looks like it's been there forever, and it has been there for a long time, it's one of the big employers in the area, is actually a cereal manufacturer. Um, and I didn't realise there were all of those other parts oh, of yeah. the business as well. Yeah. And the the Pringles thing just blew me away. It's like, really? Yeah, Kellogg, Kellogg's really? Pringles. No, no, definitely not. I did just go and have a look at their website where they talk a lot about the history. That's where I got all the information about, you know, when certain um, cereals were launched in, in the UK, etc. And I just had a quick look at their gender pay data um, for 2021. And they, as you might expect... Most of their staff are males. They've got 702 male staff at that time, 91 females. And when you look across the lower, lower middle, upper middle and upper uh, quartiles of their, their, their staff, the split is fairly, ev- not even male, female, but it's consistent across that um, in the lower quartiles, 17% are female, then 10%, then 8%, then 11%. So the upper quartile isn't weaker across the organisation, yeah. but they do recognise that they they need to address that imbalance. But they've done significant work in improving the pay gap. So in um, in April 21, the median was 6.63%, which represents a slight improvement of 0.07% in 2020, but it's significantly under the UK medium of 15.4%. So, so they, and they've got a commitment on their site to um, become a more diverse employer and um, to work on equality, pay, etc. So they seem to be enlightened in that regard, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's a slow process, isn't it? Maybe that, that increase in sales of, um, of cereal and, the ongoing increase in sales of snacks will be the thing that allows them to continue to do what they're trying to do. And noodles. Who knew? Yeah. A and growing noodle business in Africa. Growing? Okay, okay. <laughs> not growing noodles, as in not a tree. No, that's no, what I thought A growing meant. business. A growing noodle business. They're growing noodles, right, okay. <laughs> that's 
<laughs> what was that tomorrow's world where or panorama spaghetti or something? on the tree spaghetti right? trees it's an april fools on the in the times or something i think no it was a tv program i think was it yeah yeah was it i think it was a oh it was a news report yeah yes for april yeah. fools day yeah yeah, yeah. And just reading into a couple of these articles, it's sort of um, se- selling the um, the benefits of splitting off these companies. And, and there's one thing that really stood out for me is it's um, the snack business is the growing area yeah. for them at the moment and the cereal business less so. And so what this article says and, and the press release say is that by splitting off the cereal company, it's not having to compete for resources with the likes of Pringles or Cheez-Its. I've never heard of Cheez-Its, so. But we know Pringles. So if if that part of the business is really growing, I really understand how actually for for the cereals to be competing with Pringles, it makes more sense to have it separate. Yeah, because it's it's a different offering and it's a different... Well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a totally different thing, isn't it, I suppose? So they said they haven't um, decided on names for the new companies yet, but the headquarters will remain the same, and it hasn't decided how it will divide up its dividend among the three companies yet. But the, an interesting one to watch, really, you know, and, and particularly, is it going to be a masterclass in how to allow sort of this this multi-brand company is it a masterclass in how you allow focus in different core areas because at the moment that's what they're saying is you know you've got your pringles and you've got your cornflakes and they're competing in two different markets and different requirements so by separating them off into three companies do those three parts become bigger yeah and i suppose because if you've got Kellogg, the organisation, and then these sort of sub- subsidiaries, um, you'll have some, some centralised services. So economically, you'll make a saving. And of course, the plant-based food market didn't exist 10 years ago. Mm. So... Yeah, and that's just a, a that's a quite new market, isn't it? So I think um, we've talked about Beyond Meat. We've both mm. talked about mm. plant-based... They're, they're not really, a lot of the plant-based businesses aren't making a profit yet. No. So that, that's sort of the rising star. It's not there yet, though, is no. it? And you're sort of like your, your cereal business is a, is a little bit like, oh, are we, are we cash cowing this or are we, are we dog? Is this a dog? <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. <coughs> just, one, just one final thing on the, um, the founder, William Keith Kellogg. So he lived from 1860 until 1951. Um, he founded the Kellogg Company. Um, he was a member of a Seventh-day Adventist church and practised vegetarianism, which if you think between 1860 and 1951 was quite an unusual thing uh, because his, his church taught that. He founded the Kellogg Arabian Ranch, which breeds Arabian horses. Um, he was a philanthropist, and in 1934, he set up the Kellogg Foundation with a $66 million donation. $66 wow. million dollars in 1934. Wow. So how wealthy must it must all be in the Arabian horse? <laughs> but that's a hell of a lot of money. To set up to set a foundation up with, you know, he wasn't well. He must have been the Bill Gates of his time in in, mm. in many ways. But um, the Bill Gates of cereals. The Bill Gates of cereals, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, I, I really enjoyed that little delve into a world that yeah. had completely surprised me. Yeah, you just accept we accept it as one thing, and then when you delve a bit deeper, there's there's much more to it. So that's it. That's episode 200. 200. And we've already talked for two. I've just looked at the timing on How long have we talked for? Um, let's have a look. It's 44 minutes. Oh, dear listener, you're probably wishing that we'd go on for another 44 minutes. <laughs> but you'll have to tune in next week. If the end result is not 44 minutes long, then just think how great my editing skills are. Yeah, if, and particularly if you can't spot the bit where you've... Well, I just won't be in it, will I? That's That'll be... <laughs> That anything that I said just be removed. <laughs> that wouldn't be kind, would it? <laughs> Interesting idea, though. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time I've ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs>